0: Hey, this is Joseph Thompson. Thanks for listening to the Open Spaces podcast. Why don't you sit back, relax, and join me as we take a journey together into wide open spaces. Okay, so I don't want you to think that this is morbid or anything like that, but I've been thinking lately um, about a legacy and when my time here on earth is done. And here's what occurred to me, that if after my time on earth, the greatest legacy that I've left behind is that I had a great speaking voice, which is what I've heard people say. I have a voice for radio or a face for radio, whatever. Uh, But if after uh, my time on earth, that's all people remember, that I had a great speaking voice, then I failed miserably. In fact, if all they remember is that, uh, man, I remember that great sermon that he preached, then I've failed miserably. Or if they just simply remember my colorful socks, my black jogging pants, and my black t-shirts, then I've still failed miserably. But if after my time here on earth is done, what people say about me is that I I made them fall deeper in love with Jesus, or I challenged and convicted them to pray more, or I pushed them to take a little longer look in the mirror, and accept and change the things about them that were a hindrance to God's perfect will and purpose in their lives. Then I would have left a great and truly humbling legacy. So you might be asking, why does this matter so much all of a sudden? Why are you talking and thinking about legacies? Here's why, because I know for certain that everything that's going on in our world right now portends the fact that things are only going to get harder. And also because uh, of the fact that this guy called Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 24 that things are only going to get worse as we draw inexorably closer to the end of the age. So I know this for a fact because I've staked my life on the idea that the scriptures, the Bible, the Christian scriptures are truly God's word speaking to us. I'm also aware, because the Bible teaches this, that in order to win the battles that lie ahead, we must return to the passion and the hunger of our initial salvation experience. Now, for those of you who don't share my faith, this may make no sense to you, but if you just hold on a minute longer, you might find a nugget here that could be useful for your journey. You see, because here's what I do know. That familiarity tends to make us lose the awe and wonder that attends seasons of amazing things going on in our lives. Uh, I like to call that inattentional blindness. Uh, The whole idea of inattentional blindness is a loss of fascination with the things that should cause awe and wonder. And I've noticed that when something becomes familiar, when we've done something routinely for so long, we lose fascination for that thing. And as incredible, as awesome, and as wondrous as that thing may be, certainly to people looking from the outside they can't make sense of the fact that we are taking it for granted and i know that about my faith um i also know for instance that in the scriptures um the bible talks about the apostles of jesus and the guy who ostensibly was the lead guy was a guy known as peter who had a little bit of a disease i call it foot in mouth disease he he had a habit of putting his foot in his mouth and saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Yet he'd walked with Jesus so intimately, so closely. He was one of Jesus' not only first, but most trusted disciples. But I'm also aware that Peter had this struggle within himself to want to be accepted by everyone. And so he was willing to play the chameleon, that is to change, to suit whatever environment he was in. And one time he was hanging out with... uh, People who didn't share his faith uh, chewing on ham sandwiches. And then Paul turns up and in an attempt to impress Paul and make Paul think that he was, that he, Peter, was um, the strongest faith guy, he suddenly separated himself from the guys that he'd been hanging out with eating ham sandwiches. And the Bible tells us that Peter chastised him publicly for his duplicity. Uh, that Paul, sorry, chastised Peter publicly for his duplicity. So the question that I would ask is, Why was Paul so passionate? Why did he end up writing so much of our New Testament? I don't want to debate whether it's two-thirds or three-quarters or whatever the stats and the numbers are that we often like to throw out. What I do know is that Paul wrote or gave us more than two-thirds. Here I said I wasn't going to throw out a stat and then I do it. He gave us a lot of our new testament the interesting thing about that is paul actually never personally walked with jesus yet those who did walk with jesus and who saw firsthand the miracles that he did became somewhat settled in their faith they became somewhat reticent about really strongly pursuing their purpose and 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 and, and sharing the message and the knowledge of the good news that they had But Paul seemed never to lose his fascination. So I would ask the question, which I'm sure many of you are asking, so I'm going to answer it. Why? Why why was it that Paul was so passionate and yet others who had literally walked with Jesus weren't? I would say that the simple answer to that is the Damascus Road experience. Now, in case you're wondering what the heck that means, I'd encourage you to open up your Bible, and if you don't have one, download the Bible app on your phone. I mean, it's available for anyone and everyone. It's called YouVersion, and uh, it'll give you different translations of the Bible in different languages, so uh, you have no excuse. Uh, But I encourage you to read in your Bible or your Bible app the book of Acts and chapter 9 and you'll get a much clearer understanding of what this Damascus Road experience means, because I'm not about to break it down into too much detail, except to simply say that it was where Paul had a divine encounter with Jesus, and he experienced a soul and spirit transformation that changed him from the inside out completely. That moment, that incredible Damascus Road experience, is where Paul recognized that God truly existed, truly loved him, and truly had a purpose for his life. And so Paul was changed completely, and his purpose and reason for living was changed completely. Now, why is that important? It's important because many of the other disciples who responded to Jesus' call to follow him largely followed because they thought that he was going to be building an earthly kingdom They were tired of the Roman oppression of the Jews and they certainly wanted to get in on the ground floor plan of anyone who was going to start an insurrection that ultimately would dethrone the oppressive rule of Rome and create another kingdom here on earth that would allow them positions of influence and authority. I know this because at different stages they revealed their hearts and their desires one time they wanted to uh, punish people they didn't like and they asked Jesus, Shall we just call down Friar from heaven to consume them? Um, another time they wanted to fight the Romans and overthrow the Roman government. And that's why they panicked when Jesus was crucified. They were convinced that all of their efforts and services with him up until that point had been in vain because now he was dead. And what were they going to do? And so all they could do was begin to hide in fear. And Peter, even recognizing that Jesus was being arrested and was um, being tried uh, for insurrection and potentially was going to face uh, death on the cross, denied him because they were so scared that they began to hide in fear. What? Really? So suddenly, everything that these men had seen Jesus do for the three years that they had walked intimately with him had become insignificant in the face of persecution. In some ways, we're like that. Uh, We see the supernatural, miraculous hand of God at work in our lives at different seasons and times. And um, like them, uh, persecution and hardship causes us to become very short-sighted and uh, forgetful because they'd seen him feed 5,000 men plus women and children from five loaves and two fish Peter had actually seen Jesus heal his mother he had seen Jesus use him Peter to heal a crippled man sitting outside of the temple on the way to worship heck Peter had actually walked on water Keep in mind that Paul was not there for any of that. Yet Paul's passion and desperation to live out God's purpose for him was never lost. But Peter's was. Why? Maybe it's because if you've been rescued out of deep darkness, your tendency will be to really appreciate the light. And while Peter was a fisherman and making an adequate living, um, he may have been discontented with what was going on in, in uh, the region of Judea and Palestine, but he certainly wasn't suffering. Paul, on the other hand, having acquired all of the knowledge that it was possible for a Pharisee to acquire, having done everything uh, possible to find fulfillment in religion, had found nothing but emptiness until the Damascus Road experience. And then he realized how real Jesus was. And that... Changed his life, and created a passion and a hunger in him that he lived out until the very end. Because if you've been rescued out of deep darkness, your tendency, as I said, will be to really appreciate the light. Actually, someone said some really sobering words to me a short while ago that deeply saddened me, especially because it occurred to me that we as the church, and I'm using the the word church, big C church, we as the church, the global church might have created a certain impression because of the way that we live out the faith that we say we have. And this is what the person said to me, I'm quoting them directly. They said the modern day church's definition of ministry is very performance oriented and processes driven and not very focused on personal relationships, reverence or character development. Ouch, that stung. And I know I I should be able to confidently say because I'm privileged to be uh, one of the leaders at the local church that I attend and I can say with confidence that I suspect that in my local church had such an allegation such a damning allegation be laid at our feet our first instinct might have been that our hackles would rise and we'd probably feel attacked and indignant that anyone would dare make such an assessment of us especially in light of the fact that we have certainly been instrumental in 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 actively the communities in which we're located and and being a blessing to so many people so we might even want to highlight all of that stuff so that they know that it's not true that we're we're not focused on personal relationships reverence or character development but what i would do if that allegation was made against us and we we allowed our hackles to rise is i would simply and gently remind us that There are thousands of philanthropic organizations around the globe doing just as much good as we are taking care of people, providing for their needs, or even better than what we're doing because they have more resources to expend on taking care of people. So then the question I would ask us is, what makes the church, again, big C church, different? Here's what I believe is different about us as Christ followers and the church from a philanthropic organization. You see, it's a fact that all that we do is simply a vehicle to bring people to Jesus. But how can you give people what you don't have? How can you pour out of empty? If your life isn't different from theirs, and I don't mean different in what you're going through. In fact, we as Christ followers, the Bible is clear, will endure hardship and suffering. But if your life is not different in how you go through hardship and suffering, why on earth should they believe what it is we're selling, what it is we're promoting? You know, we're not snake oil salesmen, and if the truth be told, it's actually the scars and stripes we bear through the hardship and suffering that we've endured, while still actively serving and following Jesus, that makes people believe the what? where offering is real. My point here is that walking on water may be overrated if you're Peter. In other words, yeah, so you've walked on water, but so what? If if all that does is when you're confronted with hardship and difficulty, if all that does is cause you to deny the very one who caused you to walk on water and not reflect his character a broken world the world that so desperately needs him but doesn't even know they need him and what good is walking on water now i get it i see some of you shaking your heads out there i understand you're shaking your heads in vigorous disagreement but i have been taught this one thing that whether we agree with something 100 percent or not we need to stop and listen and then search our hearts so that we can extract from it the kernels of truth that might make us better people. So even if you don't agree with me, just stop and think about this because maybe there is a kernel of truth in it that would make you a better Christ follower if that's what you are. You see, this matters to me so much because in starting RHC, Rehoboth Home Care Services, that's what we intend to do in building this business. Because this business is designed to serve a segment of our population in central Florida, that finds themselves in a season where they need to rely on and depend on other people for their daily well-being. That can quickly create a loss of a sense of self-worth and dignity. And we are committed. Dignity is one of our values, preserving dignity. We are committed to being the best representation of Christ that we can possibly be by taking care of people selflessly And without regard for what they do or don't believe about the faith that we profess. Because ultimately, this is about people. And for me, walking on water isn't what matters. The greatest legacy is that I made a difference in people's lives simply by loving them and caring about them. And that's what we intend to do here rhc what about you thanks for joining us on the open spaces podcast if you enjoyed it then please like it and share it with your friends we'd really love to connect with you and you can find us on instagram and facebook at the open spaces podcast